Thank you for worshiping. Wow, that is a, what a great experience, just sitting in the back and being blessed by all of your voices. Thank you. That was wonderful. So before we get started, uh, many of you on the way in got one of the pieces of paper and a pen. Was there anybody? Because we ran out. So don't be shy. I need everyone, or I'd like to have everyone to have their own little piece of paper. And if you have your own Bible, that's great too. So wave loudly. The Vandaloon family probably needs some right here. We'll go ahead and get started while Brett is doing that. And Paul. And Paul, yeah, we got Paul helping. Good. So this morning, we are starting a new series on the Trinity. Yes, there is one right over here. Uh, and I'm excited about this, but I got to tell you, when I was starting my preparation, um, there was a, there were, the only tinge bit of apprehension came from this thought. And this is the old basketball coach in me coming out. After what I hope was a wonderful, glorious, excitement-filled Easter weekend. I mean, that's kind of where the church, the church calendar kind of builds toward that excitement. I kind of felt like the coach whose team just won a game on a half-court buzzer beater in double overtime, and now we got to come back and play one more game. <laughs> because that's kind of where we're at, gang. We've had the, the, the beauty of what Easter and the celebration of what Easter is all about, but now, now we get to roll up our sleeves and do what we've been called to do as the church. So it was in that context that I started this process. And then I started thinking, and when Kevin introduced, and if you haven't listened to Kevin's Easter sermon, I would strongly urge and suggest and encourage you to go back online to our church website and grab a hold of that. Because he actually started his sermon very similar to where my thought process was, and that was this. He was talking about there's a huge difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. So as we start this series on the Trinity, I'm going to repeat that, but I'm going to change one word. There is a huge difference, gang, between knowing about the Trinity and knowing the Trinity. Now, many of us, many of us would probably say, well, I'm not so sure I know all that much about the Trinity, because let's just be honest with each other. Sometimes the Trinity and all that it is, the three persons, one God, sometimes that can get rather confusing. If you were going to try to explain all of that to a non-believer or a new Christian, it can be sort of overwhelming. So, to start with, I was the old coach. I also am going to put on the, forgive me, car salesman hat for just a second. <laughs> because here's my thinking. Here's where all of this is going. Here's where my whole passion about today lies. In the world of sales, in the world of sales, to be successful, you sell the sizzle. Now, I don't think I have to sell Jesus, or I don't think I have to sell the Trinity, but I think a lot of us, and where I hope that we get to in the next half hour, is that you will sense and see and feel and know how good and how loving, and all that the Trinity is, and what we as believers have been invited into. Because then, 
Remember our overarching theme the last almost two years is as we live on the fringes of society, as we live on a world that just does not really want much to do with those of us who claim to be Christ followers, in that world, I think we got something to offer. That's what excites me. So, did everybody get their little piece of paper? Awesome. We're going to go through, and we're going to start today, and we're going to go through Ephesians 1. And I have chosen the ESV version. There are tons of different variations that you might have your own personal favorite. But for today, we're going to go through that. But a couple of things that I want you to know about this particular passage. So we're going to read from verses 3 through 14. In the original Greek, this was one long run-on sentence. Paul kind of has a tendency to do that when he gets excited. So do I. So I love it. So here's what you need to know. It's just like a snowball that just kind of, it's rolling down the mountain. And it just keeps building. And the excitement keeps building and it keeps building. Part of me, part of me wanted to ask some of you to, during the whole sermon, just kind of very quietly start a slow clap. Because that's where this is going. It just keeps building, and it keeps building, and it just keeps getting gooder and gooder, for those of you who love proper English. <laughs> really what it is, is it's just one long, beautiful prayer of praise. And you're going to see, and you're going to go, well, this is kind of an interesting passage to talk about the Trinity, because it's not all about theology, but you're going to see the Trinity woven throughout the entire passage. I want you to watch and see how they interact and how they work together and how that's all interconnected. Why I've asked you to have your own piece of paper or in your own Bible if you would choose to, I want you to look for and watch for the phrases in Christ or in him or in whom. Remember when Allie taught us a few weeks back about how to do Bible study, how to make it real for you? You have to kind of look for repeating patterns. So as we read, make note of the in Christ, in whom. So let's read this together. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we were the first to hope, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God. 
Did you notice that the Father's blessings, his grace, and his salvation, they only flow through Christ. They only flow through Christ. So here's where we're going. I've got one, two, three, four. I think I've counted. I've got 12 different things. There could have been a whole lot more, but this would have been a run-on sermon, and we don't have time. So I chose 12 things out of this passage that I want you to hear that God is saying to you. And God is saying to you. Verse 1. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. We find that in verse 3. Do you feel the wonder of that? Do you feel the wonder? The God of the universe. The God of the universe. Against who every one of us, every one of us in mankind has rebelled. That's the God who, for those who are in Christ, he blesses you. Every spiritual blessing. Heavy emphasis on spiritual. Every spiritual blessing. I want you to know today, you can live every moment, every second of every day, knowing that you have his blessings at your disposal. Number two, I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. God planned your adoption. Before the sun, before the stars, before the moon, before the earth, before water, before birds, before kangaroos, before any of that. Before any of that, God chose you. You know, it's interesting because in our world, adoption does in fact start with the parent. When you adopt a child from whether, whatever service or from a different country or whatever that is, it's not the child that initiates that process, it's the parent. And it's much the same with our Heavenly Father. And you know, sometimes if you've been in church a long time, or even if you haven't, coming to grips with that and trying to understand what, is that, what does that really mean? Sons and daughters. We're made sons and daughters of God. And I found another interesting passage. Write this one down on your piece of paper. You can go and look at it. It's one of those itty-bitty books right, toward, right almost before the book of Revelation toward the end. It's 1 John 3. 1 John 3, and it says this, Behold. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about the power of that word behold because in some uh, versions of the Bible it just says see, but in the one I chose it says behold. So sit up, take notice. What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And then the, it's interesting, because then there is a comma, and then Paul, or excuse me, then it, the book says, and so we are. It's almost like the writer of that book is taking us by the collar and saying, you're a child of God, believe it. Believe it. We're not just called that, but it's the truth. It's not just a name that we flippantly add as a title. Paul, continually, throughout the entire New Testament, is just blown away that we are in the family of the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe. Gang, and here's something that just has really hit home to me this last year as I kind of thought through this. If you belong to Christ, if you're in Christ... Everything that you and I are greedy for, everything that we boast about in this life, 
as Kevin would say, secret, we already have it. It's ours. It's been promised to us. So why are we boasting about earthly things? Why are we worried about earthly things? Or if I look at my life, why am I grumbling? Why am I angry? John Piper tells a really interesting story. Happened about 150 years ago. There was a man in a carriage who had, at that time, had, was inheriting a million dollars, but he had to go to New York City to claim his inheritance. As he rode into New York City, the wheel of his carriage broke about a mile out of town. And so he was forced to walk the last mile. And all he kept saying to himself, my carriage wheels broke, my carriage wheels broke, my carriage wheels broke. On his way to a million dollar inheritance. Friends, does that sound vaguely familiar to some of us today? I don't care where you're at in life's path, whether you're young, old, somewhere in between, we are only a mile away from the inheritance of the universe. Why are we grumbling? Why are we so upset about the things of this world? If we really understood what it means to be adopted, if we really understood what it means to be an heir, maybe we'd be a little less concerned about the wheel on our carriage when it breaks. And I get it. I get it. Moving on. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are unsure. Some of us are scared. But I'm going to repeat it again. Every one of us, stop. Realize before the mountains before the oceans, before any of that, God set his eye on you. He set his eye on your soul. God called your name before he created anything else. Think about that. He called your name. Doesn't that just blow you away? And that's why I've been chomping at the back. I, I couldn't wait to share this with you guys. You are valuable to God. Number three, if you look at verse four, it says, I have destined you for awesome. It doesn't say that. That was just my interpretation. He chose us to be holy and blameless. So we're set apart. And how are we doing that? The answer is not going to surprise you. In Christ. Holy and blameless. So if you've ever wondered, is it worth it? Or is this all there is to this life? Or maybe you're just feeling stuck. You're in the rut of life and you just don't feel like anything's going anywhere. Nothing's happening your way. I want you to remember this. God's destined your future. You're destined to know God. Your destiny is one of beauty and grace and love and joy. You're destined to walk with your heavenly father. You're destined to work with him throughout eternity. Number four, God says, I have brought you into my family. He says, call me dad. That's the whole idea of the Abba Father in the Lord's Prayer. That's also a little bit 
Side note, in my personal, that's a little bit of the danger of it just becoming something we recite. But if you think about what you just said at the beginning of that prayer, our Heavenly Father, Daddy, that should almost rock you to your core every time we say that prayer. And I think many of us are missing this. John Wesley, I don't know if you're familiar famous theologian, preacher way back in the 1700s. He was actually a leader of a revival in England. I don't know if you know much about him, but a real quick version of John Wesley's life. He was an ordained minister. He was very strong in his theology. He was active in practical good works. Regularly, he visited prisons. He helped distribute food and clothes to the orphans and the poor. He studied the Bible regularly. He attended numerous Sunday services, as well as during the week. He gave offerings, as well as gifts to others. He prayed and fasted. He spent years as a missionary in the colony that we know as the state of Georgia. And yet, after all of that, when he returned to England, this is what he said. I went to America to convert others, but I myself never converted to God. Catch this next line. I had the faith of a servant, did all the right things. I had the faith of a servant, but not the faith of a son. When you see God as one who loves you, your life will turn around, and then this being a witness the world that is cold and calloused and doesn't want anything to do with most of what Christians have to say, it takes on a whole new perspective. Many of us just can't get our head around this. And I've shared this one other place, and I don't think it was in this auditorium. It's a wonderful story. Um, there was a gentleman that was dying of cancer, older gentleman. And a preacher came to visit him, and as he walked into the room, there was a, a chair sitting there next to the bed. So the old gentleman uh, said to the preacher, who are you? And the minister thought, well, I sort of figured you were planning on me. You kind of have a chair here. Uh, oh, the chair, the guy says, close the door. Come on in. So the minister sits down without the chair, and the guy says to him, you know, years ago, Years ago, I couldn't get my head around as God as my father. So I had another friend, pastor friend of mine that suggested that when I want to pray, when I want to talk to God, he said, pull up a chair and talk to him just like he would be your dad or your best friend. And he said, I've done that for years. He said, my daughter doesn't know anything about it, but it's been my way of relating to God as my heavenly father. One who loves me. Well, a couple days later, the minister got a call from the daughter saying, my dad has passed away. And she said, you know, everything seemed to go okay, and he went rather peacefully, and we're blessed by that. She said, but it was really kind of interesting. Because when we went in the room and found him, the most strange thing, he had almost crawled out of his bed and his head was lying on the chair. That's a man that knew his heavenly father loved him. That's my encouragement to each one of us to know right here, to know that kind of love. 
Number five, out of verse seven, it says, I have redeemed you. God's adoption is costly. Just like any adoption that any of us might go through, it's costly. And that's what we celebrated through Lent and through Easter. Christ paid that price with his blood. Now, here's the interesting thing. Gang, we were not cute little orphans that God just chose. Remember, we, because of our sin, were enemies. But yet, before the world, he chose you. He wanted you to be in his family. Number six, I have forgiven you. Rest in that. Just rest in that. For those who are in Christ, let me back up. Some people may say, you know, doesn't that just give you free reign to just mess up, sin, do whatever, because you know that we're forgiven? Think of it in earthly terms. If you know your dad or your mom loves you, you don't just mess up. You, you don't do it on purpose because out of respect, out of love, out of just all that that is, you just don't go there. You want to honor them. You want to listen to what they have to say. And it's much the same with your heavenly father. Number seven, I have lavished all of my love upon you. He doesn't hold back. I had to chuckle when I thought about lavishing love and holding back. I apologize to my family. Anytime we would have someone significant come into our greater Vandaloon family, and they would be meeting them for the first time at a family event or a holiday. Let me tell you about the love that was lavished on this new person. It was like you were the law, I mean, to the point where you'd get hugs and kisses, and I mean, it was like, I, we've gone on four dates, but thanks. I, <laughs> we're glad you're a part of that. So I just want, I, that, that was the picture I had in my head when I think about God's love lavishing out. It's like a waterfall. It just keeps cascading over you, and it just keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. He doesn't hold back. Ephesians 1 is saying, God lavishes you with his love. Number eight, I have made an heir, made you an heir to all I have. Verse 11, it says an inheritance. Again, a reminder, the God of the universe has invited us. He's given us all that he's created. We're going to sit in the heavenly heavenlies with Jesus and reign and rule. Number nine, I've sealed you with my spirit in verse 13. God has left his mark, his seal. I got to read from this. I just love it. Romans. Kids, this is how big your Bible gets when your eyes get bad. <laughs> Romans 8, verse 14. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. This is so awesome. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Listen, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
I don't know about your family, but there were responsibilities to be a part of my family. So let's not just gloss past that part. But you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, witnessing to your inner being, to your core of cores, that you're a son of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the King. So in those times, when you wonder, where do I belong? I love this. God says, kind of like a proud daddy, you're mine. You're mine. Number 10, I've guaranteed your, inher- your eternity. If we're in Christ, we have nothing to worry about. Our future is secure. Our future is certain. If you are in Christ, the worst thing that this life can throw at us, if that happens to be death, then know this. I love this quote. Know this. Death opens the door to the best thing that will ever happen to you. Eternal life with your heavenly father. We've all had people that are close to us. I think of Lisa Jansen and I think of Kara Schulte and I think of the witness that they and their families had. That's why. That's why. But can I push? It doesn't have to wait until we are in our final moments to have that kind of witness. We can witness like that at the, at the gym. We can witness like that at our job, hanging out at the bonfire, at family gatherings. Don't fear. It's going to keep getting gooder and gooder. Number 11, I've done all this by my grace according to my will. That's seen over and over again in the passage. You see it in verse 5. You see it in verse 11. You see it in verse 8. My grace, my will. You don't earn any of this. Here's kind of the interesting thing. Who of us could walk away after reading this portion of Scripture and say, look at all I did to get adopted? We didn't do anything. It's out of His grace. And his love. He's the author of our faith. And praise God for adopting me. And praise God for adopting you. Number 12, I have done all these things for your joy and my praise, my glory. Did you see it? Did you see it? Here's the most important part of the morning. Did you see it three times? Verse 6, verse 12, and verse 14. It's about praise. He says a sentence. He's, he's getting fired up. And then he praises. He says a few more things and he praises. He wraps it up and he's in praise. But wait, wasn't this whole morning about what a blessing this is to us and what God says to me? Yep, that is true. But truthfully, and really, when you get down to it, it's all about him. And that's really good for you and me. Think about it. If God is the most beautiful, wonderful, the most glorious possible being... If God is infinitely loving, infinitely satisfying, if all that is love and joy is ultimately found in the Trinity, if that's true, what's the greatest gift he could give us? Himself. But not just of himself, but praise of himself. So think about this. When you enjoy something, that enjoyment actually overflows into praise and it actually increases with enjoyment. If that makes any sense. 
When you enjoy something, you praise, not because you have to, but because you love to. I was trying to think of examples. I apologize to Payson. And some of you, Kyle, you can relate to this. Think of when your favorite sports team. I can remember championship game, football season, Payson's junior year, game still teetering in the balance. Payson comes up with a key interception, and that kind of seals the game. I mean, it's like high-fiving anybody who would. It's like, it's anybody, and there's just joy. It's excitement. You don't leap out of your chair in those moments because you have to. Praise is just pure. I mean, it's just pure joy when you realize that. And gang, here we go. If you want to start your slow clap, this is it. Because gang, what we're talking about is a whole lot bigger, a whole lot more important than any ball game. Here we go. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I've chosen you before the foundation of the world. I have destined you for awesome. I have brought you into my family. I have redeemed you. I have forgiven you. I have lavished all my love upon you. I have made you an heir to all I have. I have sealed you with my spirit. I have guaranteed your eternity. I have done all this by my grace and according to my will. I have done all this for your joy and my praise, my glory. Friends. I love it. When you are in Christ, that's what we've been invited into. That's the sizzle. The circle of love. Kevin talked and taught us about this last year. The circle of love is not a closed circle. Each and every one of us gets an opportunity to be a part of that. And as we live a life of praise and thankfulness, knowing who we are and whose we are, that's what today was about. I just wanted to give you a ground floor, entry level. This is it. This is awesome. This is where you can live out of joy. And then you know what? People are going to start to take notice of that. Because then it becomes, because God is love. I can love my neighbor. I can love the guy I disagree with. I can love the gal that I've got nothing in common with because of what I've been invited into. And I would be sorely mistaken if I didn't end with this. Many of us have sat in church all of our life. Some of you are maybe new to just checking this thing out. Gang, if you have not, if you have not confessed your sins, claim Jesus as your Lord. Don't wait. Today's the day. Today's the way. Allie Cramner, uh, Darren Wogan, Brett Wiersma, I mean, any one of these people, come and find us afterwards. Don't wait. I've got some action steps. I see the worship team noticed that it was blatantly obvious, just like I told you. Good job, guys. <laughs> this one is really simple. Three real quick ones. Gang, sometime when it is clear out and not 42 below with a wind chill, go outside and just look at the stars. Look at the, look at the inheritance that you have. Realize before any of that, before any of that, your heavenly father knew your name. Praise him and thank him for that.
Second thing I'm going to encourage you to do on the back side of the sheet that I gave you, if you go a couple more chapters in Ephesians, Ephesians 3 is a prayer. It's a prayer that I want you to pray for yourself, but I'm going to be even more specific. It's a prayer that asks for, through the Holy Spirit, that we start to understand the love, the depth of the love that God has for us. But I'm going to ask us, can you find one person, one friend, one coworker, one teammate, one, somebody that you know that needs to know the love of Jesus? Can you pray for them by name as you pray this prayer? And then the last thing I would encourage you to do is whether if it's in your own Bible or with this sheet of paper, just sit in this Ephesians 1 passage for the next several weeks as we go through this series on the Trinity. Trust me on this. Over the last three, four weeks, whatever it's been that I've been studying, it's something different pops every time I read it. Find different translations. Don't just, okay, that was a good sermon, and just sit in it. Sit in Ephesians 1 and know that you're invited into the circle of love. Amen. out. Holy Spirit just told me one thing, Alan. I love this song we're singing. <laughs> I love this song we're singing. So, for those of you who grew up a little bit more conservative faith background, can I ask for you to consider, as you're singing this song of praise, Maybe just let loose a little. <laughs> Maybe just pretend like you or your son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter just won a state championship. Because, man, what we're singing about and what we're praising is good stuff. It's good stuff. So feel and know the freedom that you have to, however that is, praise our Heavenly Father.